Welcome in, everybody. Yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli. I'm switching things up this week, and uh, instead of doing an intro, I'm going to talk about how much I suck at intros, and that's going to be the intro. Um, Frank, you definitely know, every, especially last week, these things take like three or four times to do, and I really hate it. It's like the bane of my existence. For everyone who does podcasting, hopefully you'll relate to this. The hardest thing about the podcast is getting it started. I don't know why. Like when we do our rundown, we break down every. We're like, okay, we're going to talk about should the Kings move up in the draft? Or are we going to do the redraft 2009? We don't ever talk, or like, I never think or plan of like, hey, like, how am I going to start this thing? How do you kick, you know, how do you kick the can down and just get to the, to the smooth talking? And uh, instead of trying to figure that out, this is what I'm doing. So this is the intro to the podcast. Well, Frankie, how are you doing? You know, I'm good. You know, I, I think that starting off podcast, I mean, you always started off, so you kind of take the brunt of that. Um, it's kind of like a, it's a responsibility to kind of get things jump started. And you, you see, I think we always kind of make fun of like the, what's up, guys? Like the YouTube intro. We don't want to <laughs> come off that way. Hey, what's up, everybody? Check out our content. Um I'm doing good. I am out of the woods, COVID-wise. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better, just waiting on a, on a result of a, a PCR to kind of clear me to come back in the building with a uh, few fine people there at KHDK. But um, doing good. COVID was definitely – it sucked. You know you've been through it. I mean, a lot of you probably listening have been through it as well. Um, I'm, I'm starting to kind of get that draft itch. Like I, I, I'm, I was looking at the calendar and saying, wow, we get back in sickness. Go straight from COVID to draft itch, bro. To draft fever. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's June next week. We're in the month of the draft and things are heating up with the NBA playoffs. Uh, we, we kind of trailed off because we took a little break. We took a little vacation there. Some breaks from, um, our playoff picks. You went off to Mexico. I went off to COVID land and, Maybe we can get a couple predictions at the end. Just, just I mean, the conference finals aren't even over yet, but um, I'm excited. I mean, I'm in I'm in basketball mode right now. Baseball too. But how about you? Are are you kind of enjoying the postseason? Are are you watching these games, or are you still kind of just I don't know? In are you playing? What are you doing to kind of take up your time right now? Are you playing video games? Are you watching the postseason? Watching baseball? What are you doing to kind of? I saw you at the Republic game last night. By I the was. Way. Yes, I was at the Republic game. Shout out them for winning, uh, winning the round of 16 match. Uh, and I think now they're playing the Galaxy. Uh, that was fun. I was very, awesome. very surprised to see them win that game. Uh, it was, uh, it's probably, I honestly don't know the history of the Republic besides the fact that I remember them winning, but they, they've kind of uh, tailed off a little in their past couple seasons. But uh, I, I'm just going to say it because I was there. I think that's the biggest game in Sac Republic history. No, people and, were uh, saying that yeah. on Twitter. Like I saw a bunch of uh, people that cover cover the team. Matt George has been covering the Republic for for years. A um, couple couple other people I, I've, I've seen from other outlets are saying that was the biggest match that the Republic have ever had and the biggest win that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of uh, I was like upset I wasn't there. The other night. I mean, I, I heard how big the up. game was and. $2 beverages. Um, what? $2 beverages. Wow. That's the reason why Chris Watkins was there. I'll tell you that right now. That place uh, was looked packed, too. Well, let me tell you, $2 beverages will do that. That'll do that. It was hot, <laughs> and, though. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't it hot? T- hey, 
it was a beverage special. It was not not just your special beverages. You know, you can get a $2 water, which is also for anyone who has been at any sporting arena or even anywhere in general, really. $2 waters do not exist. What's a, what? Why is that? How is it not illegal to not have water be easily accessible? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Because Folsom Lake isn't full, I don't know. I don't. I no, really I think it kind of because it is right it's, now. It's just not a. It's a. It's a. I don't know. I'm just talking. About I think the. My I saw right a before now. and after picture. <laughs> Carmichael Dave tweeted a. Um, it oh, I was, saw that. Yeah, it was like yeah, it like it is full. Out Canyon or something like that. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I've never been to Folsom Lake, but I've only heard. Um, oh, you got to go to heaven, seen... man. There's a there's a place that like overlooks the uh, Folsom Lake. It's called Heaven. It's like a. It's like a little trail out there and like you can see out onto like it's like in the mountains of Folsom like in the El Dorado but, Hills so but it's the nice. rattlesnake issue I mean I, I've seen videos of rattlesnakes swimming on the water at boats and stuff oh no thanks no thanks go look no. it up on YouTube if you're listening to this go type in Folsom Hard Lake pass. rattlesnake on YouTube there's horrifying videos of snakes swimming onto boats and no I'll thanks. tell you what we, we were talking off off um off air about spiders i think our our boss nick cattle had to fill a spider for him <laughs> yeah. in his office yesterday. sorry peter right yeah i mean we, we were gonna post it onto socials we were gonna like take a full video but i was like i don't know if this is gonna be like you know some, some people are so sensitive nowadays like you About know, spiders i don't know i just figured like i mean i really full disclosure i really stomped that thing out like <laughs> i was, I was oh. not messing around when i killed that thing so They're i was not like i don't know if that's their that's your home that, that's like where we are supposed to be and like in the garage they can live and they can go catch you know flies and gnats and stuff but in the you office heard it here first work. everybody frankie cardicelli fan of segregation no come on now <laughs> <laughs> the spiders shouldn't be in the building this is that. our place you stay in your place okay <laughs> i'm sorry we don't need to put that on need look if that's if that's a stance I can take between spiders, maybe I'll take. Them. I will take <laughs> yeah. that with snakes. I don't want to be around snakes. Like I don't want anything to do with them. I can't look at you pictures of them. Jones. No, I mean, I'm, yeah, same. Me and Harrison Ford are <laughs> two peas in a pod. Snakes. I, I can't look. At You're them. on your own. Can't think of them. So if I mean, I'm I don't boat, enjoy snakes. Like I'm not one of those people who like. You know, there's people who like have pet snakes and stuff, and are all comfortable putting that stuff around your neck. And why? Like having, no, that's that's that is. You will catch me dead with a snake around my neck. Why? Why would people? And they're like, "Oh, he's so nice. He's so cute. He loves people." That thing doesn't understand what the hell is going on. It doesn't. It doesn't get <laughs> basic human emotion. You're saying it's cute, like yeah. There's no attachment. Like he's just like, yeah, I'm deciding not to kill you right now. And like, there's that no is the only way why that... you're not dead. That thing is just I baffled and affinity to you. It's confused. It's very confused. So, no thanks. But um, snakes, spiders, kings—things that you know, <laughs> all one and the same—get under our skin. Things um, I could do without. I'm a well. Real quick, are you watching the playoffs? Oh yeah, that whole question. Um, honestly, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I am a very prideful sports fan, and. I am very ashamed almost. It does feel like shame to admit that I have not really watched much of any of this, uh, especially the conference finals. From what I understand, I haven't missed a lot. But, um, yeah, I, I watched a good amount of the second round. First round, I was uh, in and out. But this this conference finals, I, it's not that the teams don't intrigue me. It's just I don't. I just haven't had the 
it's not I haven't had the time. I just want to do other things. I don't I don't know. No, that's respectable. I mean, we, we I don't need to see the Warriors. The Warriors' success makes me sick. And every time I watch them win, it just I can't reiterate this enough. Like they to me are the new Lakers. Like the same exact feelings that we had growing up towards the Lakers. Like I feel that in my bones when the Warriors succeed. I really do. Like well, I am a full self-proclaimed proud hater. I am a hater. <laughs> I do not care that I, it's petty. I don't care that like I'm just hating to hate. I do not enjoy them being successful. I don't either. <laughs> and I really don't. I really am not a Warriors person. I mean, I I'm I'm enjoying the playoffs not specifically the conference finals because the games have kind of been kind of been bad all around. I mean, there hasn't been that many great games between Boston and Miami and Golden State and Dallas. Um, but I'm hoping that game six between the East teams will be good. And tonight uh, things are back at Chase Center. Maybe things can kind of turn on a heel and, and get some entertainment going. But um, I, I do think a Boston-Golden State finals will give you the best satis- chance of satisfaction. I think that Boston could be a real problem for Golden yep. State. Yeah. So I'm rooting for that. I've, I'm out on Miami. I, I, I'm, I give all the credit to Eric Spolstra in the world, but how do they keep getting this far? I mean, they're just not, they don't scare me. I don't know. They don't really have just that, that X factor. That's just going like, to Jimmy yeah. Butler is a great player, but he's not, he's not Jason Tatum. He's not Luca. He's not Steph Curry. He's not a guy that can just completely I mean he scored 40 I think in game 1 or 2, but it's just different the way he does things when he plays basketball and Miami Kyle Lowry's been horrible. Um a report came out today that they went on a, on a end of season trip to I think the Bahamas or something. They went like on a vacation before the playoffs, which is crazy. Um I'm just out. I'm I'm over the Miami Heat. So I'm I'm not exactly how you feel about Golden State with Miami, but I just I want this I want this to be over. I want the conference finals to be over. I want to get to the finals and I want to have the real games begin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think uh there I think a lot of people have felt that way about the Heat. Just like, yes, they're a very, very scrappy team and they're gonna be very, as we've seen, very hard to eliminate in the playoffs, but uh their top end talent just isn't there. God bless Jimmy Butler. He's he's a fighter, he's a grinder. He's a fantastic winner, but at the end of the day, I think uh, the Boston Celtics just have too much of a combination of actual uh, high-level talent, and with the stuff that they they've done this season defensively, um, I just think that they're going to be they're going to prove too much for Miami. And and like you said, I, I have heard legend of of how poorly uh, Kyle Lowry has played this series, and um, Miami just kind of needs everyone to be clicking if they're going to if they're going to make a, a, a real serious run at it. And I, I, to your point, I just don't think Miami would really uh, stand a chance really against Golden State. I think the, the, the chance that they would stand is that they would really muck it up and make, um, make it physical. And I don't know if Golden State wants to necessarily play a physical finals, but um, even then I, I just think the Warriors would have too much shooting. So to see a Boston Golden State finals, definitely intrigues me from from just a mass interest standpoint oh yeah oh yeah and i i think that that's Plus those big... are two huge cities too i mean franchises yeah I should say. It, it's not quite boston los angeles from back in the day you know even 
the early two that mid or late two thousands, excuse me, but um in eighties. But it's um it could be like a, a beginning of a new thing. I mean, I don't I don't think Golden State. I mean, on, on, nah. I don't know if they're yeah. gonna be a perennial. I mean, Boston's young. I mean, they they have Jason Tatum, they have Jalen Brown, um, the Time Lord. I mean, they have these guys that are that are young. So I, I think that there's a chance that we could see Boston really start building something. Ime Udoka, former King, by the way, yep. he who had a huge part in that King's comeback in Chicago. Back Ime in was interviewed several times for King's head coaching jobs. I know I was really big on him too. It comes from Pop yeah. staff, but he's been done a hell of a job there in Boston. Brad Stevens, who I was kind of – I won't say I was rolling my eyes at at him moving to the front office, but he's done a great job taking over and taking Danny Ainge's position, um, pressing the right buttons. I mean, Boston, when when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going at the same time, it's it's very scary. And I said it this year. I think I might have tweeted it when Boston came to Sacramento. I said if the Canes could just have one of those guys, they'd be my – I mean, that, that, that'd be just that missing piece, you know. And we've, we've seen those – those um, trade ideas that Fox for Brown, I think that's far out the window now. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying watching Boston right now. I know our Boston Nick is too, Boston guy. So congrats to him um, in advance if Boston makes it. But um, the draft is all we have. The draft's all the Kings fans have to look forward to right now. We're, we're going to do some temperature checks by each week. You know, things are very fluid as far as draft takes and how we feel, I know I for sure kind of fluctuate each day. Um, I guess we're going to start with that before we get into some rumors. How, how are you feeling right now? How, as far as if the Kings pick fourth, are you, who, who are you falling on this week? Like, do you have, I can't remember who you said last week, who your guy was. I don't know if I remember what I said last week, because things honestly change every day, every day since we've recorded last, I've probably flip flopped. So mm-hmm. today, May 26th, I ask you, Chris, if you're on the clock and the the big three go in order, the order we've seen, which right now that would mean Chet Holmgren goes one, Jabari Smith goes two, Paolo Bancaro goes three. If you're Imani McNair and you're, you're picking fourth, who do you select at fourth right now? Jaden Ivey. And that surprises me because uh, I'm a, I'm a big, I, I know it's, it's a kind of counterintelligence these days, but. I am a, a big draft for fit guy. I, I do understand. I completely understand drafting best player available. And I do think that there's a happy medium of best player available, but also somebody who's going to fit your system. Um, and I am also a huge proponent, as I've stated on this podcast countless times, of of big, versatile wings who can shoot. And that's that's the thing that really ends up setting you over the top in the NBA. And Jaden Ivey is not really a perfect fit for this roster, nor is he a uh, long, versatile shooting wing. He is, however, in my opinion, the um, has the most superstar potential. I think his ceiling uh, is is incredibly high. I would not go nearly as as far as saying uh, as drawing Job Morant comparisons. I think that's a lot of uh, agent propaganda. I think Jaden Ivey wants people to believe that he is a John Morant like prospect, but. Um, he really does remind me a lot of De'Aaron Fox. He's he's great at attacking the rim. Um, he he's he's just been he's he's an explosive athlete, incredibly fast. People have spoken about um, how how dynamic and how explosive of a uh, explosively fast, I should say, uh, of a backcourt that would be if they were to pair them up. I like Jaden Ivey's size. He's six four, but he's he's a long six four. He's got long arms. 
uh, long legs, and and I think him and Dearn uh, would be good size at the one and two. And I also think they could be. I just think that th- that would be um, the the most ideal pairing of everybody. I, I I've seen. Um, I've I've started to do uh, some some watching of film of these guys, and uh, Shane Sharp to me is just too tough to see. Uh, what's going to translate to the NBA. It's a lot of high school film. It He does look good off the dribble, but none of it is really like NBA game speed or, you know, re- really people pressing up on him too much. It's hard to really get a vibe for, uh, for how he's going to translate. Keegan Murray seems very, very solid. Um, and that's kind of been the rap on him is that he's, he's the quote unquote safe pick, but uh, I have concerns about his, his overall ceiling. I think his floor is fine. And again, and kind of just describing him as a safe pick, but I think he has a solid enough floor that you don't really have to worry about him being a bust, but um, you know, some of his, I don't really love his ball handling. I've, I've stated in the past. I don't think he's, it's a, uh, it's like his upper body is incredibly stiff almost. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed the same thing with Jabari Smith as well, but um, just, just looks, doesn't look like a, a fluid, athlete you know he, he's a big guy so uh, you know that definitely um takes into account of it but uh I, I just haven't been impressed with with how you know i test how he looks just movement wise uh so that's a long way of saying i think Jaden ivy for me is, is the guy that that i'm gonna i think i'm gonna hang my hat on him for this entire process as long as the kings have the four pick yeah i completely agree and you know we're gonna do this question each week um but i have just seen the highlights I've seen the reports I've read um, comparisons made. I mean, the the number one comparison people are making. And again, when you compare draft prospects to, to establish pros, you got to take it with a massive, we'll call it like a spoonful of salt, obviously, but uh, being compared to Donovan Mitchell is, is pretty ideal. When you look at the fact that the Kings have been uh, there's, there's obviously problems in Utah and the Jazz are probably going to move on from one of Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell this summer. At least that's what we've come to believe. So if the Kings don't want to give up assets and try to trade for someone like Donovan Mitchell, they can try to swing for the fences and try to draft one. Because like you said, the size from J- Jaden Ivey, 6'4", about 200 pounds. Donovan Mitchell, uh, about 6'3", 210. I mean, they're they're close in size. Their their numbers in college are are pretty close as well. As far as Jaden Ivey, um, he averaged around 17 points a game last season. Donovan Mitchell, before he got drafted, was around 16. Uh, they each averaged 4.9 rebounds. They each shot about 36% from three, each about 47% from two-point range. Um, it's it's definitely something I think the Kings could have as like the, the swing for the fences move. And that also could apply to Shaden Sharp. We've seen a lot of people that are very high on him, and he he is the guy who is uh, the the high high risk, high reward player in that top five, top six range. But um, De'Aaron Fox needs a, a backcourt mate that is has star potential, and Tyrese Halliburton was that, but in a different way. As far as Tyrese Halliburton was a was a guy who needed the ball, the ball dominant. He wasn't necessarily a spot up shooter or or like a guy that could like slash and, and get buckets. You know, he he was a guy that needed to create and, and run the offense on his own. Kind of the same player De'Aaron Fox is. Now Jaden Ivey, we need to kind of see more of of him and is he someone that can can play off the ball and, and be that guy for Fox? But 
I, I like to believe I think he can be. And it just is a pick I would not be upset with. And I think I've said before, I'll talk myself into whoever they pick. I mean, I think a lot of us are going to try to spin whatever we can. There's not really a, there's no clear cut for number four. I think the argument is Keegan Murray is the the, the pick that people expect or um, think the Kings should take because they do need another big, a decent big. And I'm of the idea that I hope the Kings can find that in other ways. And in whether that be from, from draft or, or free agency, maybe the Kings throw a big contract to Bobby Portis. Maybe they, they swing a trade for another established power forward. But um, today I'm on the Ivy train. And it's nice to know I have you with me because I'm, I think he's a guy who could for sure come in and, and, and make a difference immediately. But um, do you have any other thoughts on Jaden Ivy? I just think, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of pointed at it earlier, but I just think his superstar potential is the biggest. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the Kings need to look for is is the person who, you know, if and this was the problem with with them not taking. I hate to bring this up, but Luka Doncic is. Is it really the worst thing in the world if we take a player who ends up being better than De'Aaron Fox? No. Is that like is that such a terrible thing? Like I, that's obviously has nothing to do with De'Aaron Fox and no shade on him at all. But if we take somebody who is more talented and ends up being a better player than De'Aaron Fox, why is that a bad thing? Like, don't I, we, isn't the goal to get as many talented people as possible on the roster and kind well, of figure the rest out later? Wouldn't you rather have a Supreme uh, athlete superstar as opposed to another role player who, yeah, fits their role really well and will do what is asked of them, but isn't really making as big of an impact as, Jaden Ivey and also wouldn't it suck to see Jaden Ivey flourish in Detroit or something and then we take Mm -hmm. Keegan Murray and we're like okay yeah like Keegan Murray fits with us and like he's solid but like what if what if Jaden Ivey is actually just prophetic and he actually is uh John Morant part two and it's like all right like I like John Morant that would be fun Jay Z has this beautiful line in four four four. I'm gonna Mark Jones this right here as I as I relate to the young people. Uh, Jay Z has this line in four 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 album uh, where he's like he's talking about him and Beyonce and he's like, "What's better than one billionaire two? And what's better than one De'Aaron Fox two? Like I don't I just I don't I don't understand what why why that would be a detriment. Why you would be like oh uh, like he I understand he is another guard and that is adding to yet another Kings have guards and are taking guards and uh, just took a guard last year and, and are taking another one this year with Jaden Ivey. But um, again, like if the dude is good, that's, that should really be all that matters. Yeah. It's, it's going to come down to what does Monty McNair believe? Does he believe he can find a, a power forward on the trade market or on free agency? Because that's the question. I mean, what, what is the team more likely to acquire? I mean, are, are they going to be able to acquire a sharpshooting shooting guard on draft night because maybe that changes their their the, the things that they do at four maybe they do go with Keegan Murray if they acquire an established shooting guard so that's a question but if, if you're on the clock at four and those big three go and you aren't unable to move up and we're, that's our next thing we're going to talk about right now and a second is moving up to two or three but um, I think Jade Navi is, is the pick that needs to be made and and the, the last thing I'll say about about this top four is is if the Kings draft Keegan Murray, I'm going to talk myself into it. I think that he is a different player than the player I'm about to bring up 
which is Thomas Robinson. I'm not saying they're the same player, and I'm not saying I'm going to get the same vibe if they pick him. It's just we're obviously scarred from things the Kings have done in the past, and I was so excited when the Kings drafted Thomas Robinson. I thought he was going to be the guy to put next to Boogie. And here we are again. The Kings have a, a, a top 10 center in the league in DeBonta Sabonis, maybe even higher than that. And he needs help down there. So I don't know if a rookie is going to be the the answer to put next to him, especially a, a rookie who, a, as good as I think that Keegan Murray is going to be, having to throw him into the fire immediately as a starting center. I mean, I'm mean, starting power forwards. It's, 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 it's just a little concerning to me because defense at the NBA level is a lot different. He's 6'8". Uh, I believe he'll be able to defend at the NBA level at, at a decent rate, obviously. But um, bigs are scary. Just to be honest, bigs are scary, you know. So um, the Kings need to focus on 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 need, like you said. And and I do think they do, they need a shooting guard. They need a established pick to come in and, and be De'Aaron Fox's side not sidekick but or to make De'Aaron Fox a sidekick because like you said uh is it that big of a deal if the Kings draft somebody who comes in and is better than De'Aaron Fox no because De'Aaron Fox is a really good player I still don't know if he's going to be the best player on a Kings playoff team if they make the postseason the next year or two I think they, they need someone better than him to take them to that level I mean am I that far off that the Kings need someone better than De'Aaron Fox to take them to the next level or am I crazy I think that's kind of the question. I mean, I think that's that's the thing that he needs to prove is is I mean, he needs to be better than he's been in the past, but um can he rise to another level? Um I think that that's a big thing and I think a, a huge part of that is his jump shot falling and and we've just, just seen the inconsistency with that, but in defense. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure defense, but I think I do think and it is a kind of a cop out, but I I do think that uh, a lot of his defensive woes are because of the the heavy offensive load that he has carried mm-hmm. in, in his past. But um, with Sabonis and hopefully with this top four pick, um, yeah, we can bring in somebody who can hopefully shoulder some of that load. You know, um, yeah. I, I think that's we've seen that that the Kings brass does feel like that is something that needs to be addressed. I mean, they've taken. Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell with their past two picks. Those are two guys who are directly taking the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hand. And if they had any issue with that, um, they probably, they, they for sure wouldn't have done it twice, but um, I don't think they would have. Well, they probably would have taken Tyrese just because at that point, the value was so great. But um, I just don't think that they're afraid uh, of taking the ball out of De'Aaron's hands. And I do think that they are of the mind that, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting another skilled ball handler who, who can also create for himself and others. Like there's, you can never have too many people on your basketball team who can dribble and pass for sure. But or shoot, I mean, especially shoot. Yeah. Now, but you know, Jaden Ivy like, isn't a great shooter. He's definitely developed. And I think he last season, he was up in the 40 percentile from three, but um, which was a huge jump from his freshman year. But I think his shot is still concerning. And, the, the and I think that there. backcourt would be. And a little sketchy. As Davion Mitchell has some create like some freak athleticism kind of hidden in there, like he he puts on display sometimes. But Jaden Ivey has that woe factor as far as he can get in there and he can it, it is kind of John Morant esque and and Davion Mitchell esque the things he can do going to the basket and that's something the Kings 
De'Aaron Fox is so good at that already. Having multiple players that can do that, and then hopefully De'Aaron can continue to take stri- uh, strides from the outside. He was shooting really well before he, he went down for the year. I think he was shooting almost 40% from three over 15, 16 games uh, in that streak of 20-point games. So having Ivy come in, a guy who did show potential to be a three-point threat and does have a shot, I think that that is close. Davion Mitchell, if he plays uh, big minutes off the bench next year, his shot was getting better as the year went on. You have these guys who are kind of like, eh, like we're close, but they're not necessarily shooters. That's a gamble. It's a risk. It's a risk I'm willing to take, though, if they if they do pick Ivy as far as his his potential, because I think that he is going to be a very good player uh, at this level. So it's kind of a temperature check as far as our draft takes right now. I think Chris and I both have established we're in on Ivy. Definitely subject to change as well. Subject to change every day. But the there's like two rumors out there right now as far as the Kings right now. They're 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 they are rumors. Let's just go, let's just call them vague, kind of not really a, a a concrete report out there. But well, to start with, there's a there's a report out there that I saw from I I want to say it was Hoops Habit or it was someone that reports for Hoops Hype, one of those sites. Um, they reported that the Sacramento Kings have there are whispers that they already have an agreement to move up to second in the draft, which would be a swap with Oklahoma city. James Ham also our friend James just also said the other day that there are reports out there that they, the Kings maybe have an agreement to move up, which means they will be trading with the Oklahoma city thunder to select second. So Chris, let me start with asking you, how do you feel about this rumor? I mean, there, there there isn't really a clear source to it. There isn't really a, I don't know where it came from, or it's it's very very early in the draft process as well. The draft is exactly a month away from today, exactly four weeks away. So, do you do you take this seriously, or are you kind of just like like let's let me put it this way: on a scale of one being you don't believe it at all to ten. Like, it's a done deal. I completely am all in. Where are you on the scale of believing it or not believing it? I would probably put myself somewhere near, like, in the two to four range. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm, I'm probably a, at three. I, yeah, I think I think that's what that means. <laughs> yeah. If I'm, uh, somewhere in, I'm somewhere in between, like, a two and a four. four? Um, whatever whatever that means. There was something in between there. Um, yeah, so I'd put myself at like a three, I guess. Um, it's, I mean, the fact that it is, it is out there. Um, the fact that James is picking it up tells me it's not nothing. Um, but at the, in, you know, generally when there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. It wouldn't surprise me if the Kings, um, have talked with Oklahoma city about moving up to two and, uh, maybe feel confident that if they wanted to, maybe they have already you know, figured out the the framework of a deal, and it's just a matter of if they, at the end of the day, want to execute it. Um, that would be my guess. But um, I just, it's it's really, really early in the process. I think for the Kings to have already fallen in love with somebody that much, and the problem with two is also, and I shouldn't say problem, but um, we reports have kind of started to surface that Jabari Smith is going to be the number one pick for Orlando. 
but you really don't know that that kind of that, that hasn't really been solidified and so I mean, unless they're just really high on Paolo Bancaro and they, they are just, they're confident that Paolo is not going one and they're just going to take Paolo at two. Um, maybe that's it. It's just, to me, like there's just not enough things that line up for, for that report to be a hundred percent true, but um, you know, whatever. I mean, that doesn't, none of that necessarily is a direct indication that, that it's, it's false. You know, I, I think, just because none of the things are lined up and nothing really makes sense doesn't necessarily mean that the Kings aren't infatuated with somebody. Well, for sure. I mean, I, I'm also looking at three, like a three or four on on that scale. I, I think that the Kings are absolutely looking to move up. I mean, how could you not? You have a fourth pick. Uh, they're in a very... They Sorry, they're, well, I didn't they're... mean to cut you off, but like... No, you're good. I think, like, it. it's just not easy. I, I've... I've releasing a a video i just literally recorded it before we started uh recording this and i was looking back at what it's taken for teams to move up into the top three and every single time it's been an additional first round pick and i just don't know if it's if these prospects are surefire enough to 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 take that kind of risk i mean maybe if you were and the two examples of the teams that made these deals are the Sixers um, gave away their first round pick when they went from three to one to take Markel Fultz and the Celtics took Tatum. And then uh, the Mavericks gave a top five protected first along with the number five pick uh, to move up to take Luca in Atlanta took Trey young at five. And so both of those teams aren't, <laughs> are not the Sacramento Kings who have been in the lottery the past 16 years. I just think first round picks for the Kings carry a different weight. And I'm not saying that that should be adjusted into the trade. Like I'm not saying, you know, um, another team should try and give up more because the Kings first round pick future first is worth more. I just think the Kings need to maybe heavily consider what kind of damage it could do if they're wrong. Oh, for sure. But here's where we are, like where we are with that. I mean, the Kings haven't made a, a swing for the fences draft pick move. I believe since 2015 with the, the salary dump in Philly. Since Marvin Bagley. I mean, Marvin Bagley was, was definitely a swing for the fences. Oh, that, well that, I mean, trading picks. I mean, they haven't traded a first round picks in since that 15 draft. It's a 15 trade, right? Yeah. Yes, and that so was a salary I'm, dump. I mean, that wasn't yeah. even like for a player, which was stupid. And that was Incredible. that was almost seven years ago. So I was at Red Robin the day that broke. I remember <laughs> that was the last time I went to Red Robin. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I love I love Red Robin. There's a Red Robin in Yuba City. It slaps. You know, it's so good. I wouldn't say underrated. Just properly rated. It should Pro- be up there. You know, it should be as populated as Applebee's and those chilies I, of the world. I believe it's better than both of those, but I'm very. I do very, as well. I just think biased. they need to be as. I definitely think it's better than those two. I just think it needs to be um, as mainstream as those two. I feel like Red Robin is is kind of like Sonic, where it's like oh, yeah. there's some like there's like three in in your area. Yeah, the, the, I think the closest uh, Red Robin is in Elk Grove. Oh, okay. Maybe there's only one in the area then, because that's the only one that I know of. I, feel oh, like I think there is one in, in Natomas. North... There might be one in Natomas. No, not a... if there was one. In well, Thomas, you would definitely know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think North Highlands. Mm. 
I do let not, not there in North Highlands. Let me tell you. If, if, if you have a Red Robin out there, let us know. Um, <laughs> if you work at a Red Robin, let us know. If you know where the Red Robin is. But no, I, uh, I, uh, they haven't made a, they haven't made a pick that has traded off a first round pick since it's been seven years. It's been a long time. And what my point is, is Monty McNair is in a contract year. De'Aaron Fox is now a year into his extension. He has four years left and he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Demonis Sabonis is two years left and he's an unrestricted free agent. I think now is the time when you have a fourth pick. This, this fourth pick is also the Kings, honestly. I, I mean, obviously you want to be a top three and you want to have a chance at those, at that, those big three guys. But being at four puts them in such a weird position of power because the draft essentially starts at four. And that's what many are saying around the league, that the draft starts at four. Because after those big three, we don't know what's going to happen. We really have no idea. And there also is a possibility that that, that Jaden Ivey could go two or three, which is why the Kings might have had a deal in place to go to two. But uh, my point is that the Kings are going to try to move up right now. I think it would take the fourth pick, obviously. It would take next year's first-round pick as well, maybe with without protections. I don't know if that's a holdup or if that's something that's going to have to happen. But um, it's something I would do if the Kings were to get a top-three pick and an asset back in return. I don't want to do it just for the pick. I want a little bit of insurance if they're getting next next year's first as well. Um, but I, if they were to move up, you'd have to assume it's for one of Cheddar Jabari, right? I mean, is it one of those two guys? No, I really don't think so. I think it's for any of the three. I think, honestly, I mean, to me, Paolo Bancaro is the one that I'm most confident will be an offensive weapon. Drafting um, another Duke power forward too, huh? <laughs> Yeah, but Paolo's not Marvin Bagley, that's I know, for sure. I, I mean, Paolo's, Paolo is an incredibly dynamic scorer who can shoot. He can attack the basket. He's already got an NBA body. He's like 230, 240 pounds. I mean, he's a really big guy um, and, and has a, already has a very nice um, arsenal of, of moves that he definitely likes. He, he is somebody who uh, he almost like plays like a 2K player where he's just like, he just spams like the same moves every time, but they're very efficient. And I mean, those are the, yeah. that's the kind of thing that like great NBA scorers do. I mean, you know, Dirk had his fate or not. Let me, you know what? Let me stop now. Let me not compare Paolo Bancaro to like all time greats. Well, I but, think uh, people Paolo, are, I'm just, I mean, yeah, he, I just think are, he's, what, he's the most for sure. I'm confident that guy is going to be a 20 point a game scorer at, at least once in his career. His, his NBA comparison on NBA draft.net, uh, NBA draft, his comparisons on NBA draft.net are Julius Randle and Juwan Howard. Those are both interesting because those guys, I feel like, are a lot more back to the basket. Yeah. That's I mean, Julius Randle has kind of evolved into a shooter. Or he, yeah, he, he tries. I think that, yeah. he was an all-star last year, year before last year, and he was a shooter. And then last year, he kind of had like a, a come-back-to-earth season. But um, he, you I, I don't know about, why. He just reminds me a lot of like, a poor man's Carmelo Anthony, not like incredibly I, poor. Man's I like Carmelo that, Anthony, but I like he gives me shades of. I think the ringer on their in their uh, draft guides do shades of. To mm-hmm. me, he has big shades of Carmelo Anthony. He has big shades of Carmelo Anthony. He's a a stretch four. I think you can almost categorize him as a stretch four. Um, let me see what he shot from three last season. He shot thirty four percent, which I mean that's almost Jaden Ivey. College three as well. Yeah. 
Um, he averaged a, 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 over a steal per game, about a block. I mean, he he isn't a slouch on D. But if, if the Kings are to move up to two, and they were to give up next year's first two, I'm I'm on board with drafting any of those three. I mean, I'm I guess I would say I'm the most down on Chet. I'm the most high on Jabari, and I guess Palo would be that would make Palo my second choice. Math. So we're learning a lot about middles here. We are learning a lot about middles here. Middle numbers. I mean, we've been forever anyways. Yeah. Well, I guess at the, the end, but more of the end of things. But um, I'm fully on board. I mean, if, if they're going to give up next year's first round pick, I just want to make sure they get something back in return. Yeah. And when well, they also I mean, can't get rid of next year's first round pick, it would have to be the year after. Because you can't yeah, get rid of back to back first point. round picks. Good point. So let me look at let me look at Oklahoma City's roster real quick and see do they have anything that we'd be willing to say? Can you part? I mean, Lou Dort is Lou an Dort is option. always yeah. I mean that's that's kind of the old reliable with. Can we get a Lou Dort back? Because um, they could probably drop Jaden Ivy and I mean obviously Lou Dort plays small forward as well, but um, he he's a he's a shooting guard small forward. Can we get combo. a Poku? <laughs> can we get Poku? No. I mean, can can we no. get? I mean, that's pretty much all I'm yeah. really interested in. I mean, Shea Gil- Gilgis is not going That's anywhere. Not Darius Basley, I mean, he was fine last year. He's not really someone I'd, I – he's a power forward, so maybe. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – give us Lou Dort. We'll give you a, a first-round pick year after next. And, yeah, let's, let's go get, a, let's go get mm-hmm. someone – one of those big guys. So – because Lou Dort is someone who is – he's a good defender – he is a decent outside shooter and he's a guy that can get buckets 17 points per game last year so you're a big Lou Dork guy aren't you I am yeah I just I love his defensive tenacity and like <laughs> just imagining right now a a Lou Dort Davion Mitchell backcourt even if it's that that's their bench rotation that is that defense is giving up no buckets I pray for everybody because he, that is on ball pressure to the max picked the Aaron clean that in that game. And, and that was a disaster. And the Kings lost by a point, I believe in Oklahoma city. I, I um, watched that game. Thankfully I was in Las Vegas at a concert. Well, you were, you were I was spared. Li- doing things right, but we'll keep an eye on that rumor. Um, torn up. Last rumor. And this is a quick one. We don't really need to talk too much about this. We can get into our 2009 redraft. We're going to start Hell a yeah. redraft series. Hell yeah. um, Evan Massey. Uh, I can't remember what outlet he is with. Let me go ahead and credit his outlet. Evan Massey of Hoops, Hoops Analysis Net. Um, he follows me on Twitter. I follow him back. Hi, Evan. Um, no shade here. He did report previously that the Kings were pretty much guaranteed to interview Frank Vogel. That never happened. Uh, but he also is reporting that the Kings are one of the t- some teams, a few teams that are interested in acquiring Indiana Pacers guard. Nope, not Tyrese Halliburton. The other one, Malcolm Brogdon, who was a Rookie of the Year award winner, um, I believe in 2013 or 17, 17. So I don't think this is a move that would make any sense at all. You're going to go out and acquire a guard who is not a three-point shooter. Um, at least for his career. I mean, well, first career, he's been decent, 37%, but last year, 31%, um, 32%. It's kind of, it's spotty. And he's 30 years old coming up here. I think he makes a lot of money. He is on the hook for 21 plus million the next four, three, four years. 
Um, I'm out on that. And he's and also, he's an injury. He's injury prone. I believe he played 36 games last year, 56 games before that year, 54, 64, 48. I mean, he's played over, over 65 games once in his career. So I'm out on that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm sorry. I was looking. I didn't even hear the trade because I was looking at this uh, NBA analysis network that uh, Evan Massey works for. And their most recent article is two trade packages to send 76ers James Harden to Sacramento Kings. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm I'm OK. I'm just, can you I'm just officially you, out on this public? Can you read what that package is? One yes. Uh, one of the packages is. The 76ers receive De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes, and the Kings get James Harden. Uh, the other package is, is that, it? that is, is, it, that is, is James Harden. That is literally it. Uh, in this package, this is a three-way deal. The Utah Jazz receive Utah. So there's three teams. Utah Jazz receives De'Aaron Fox, Rashawn Holmes, and the Kings' 2023 first-round pick. <laughs> the Sixers get Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovic. The Kings receive. James Harden. You know, that's really nice for the Pacers. I mean, the the Sixers, they made out real nice. That's kind of how those trades work out. So I am out on our guy, Evan Massey. Okay, do people uh, not understand the analysis network? Vladi is not the general manager anymore. Do people not get that? I saw a a trade today. Let me see if I can pull it up. There was a trade with with the the Pistons. Oh, yes. I think it was a stupid trade. Everyone had a thought. Okay, here it is. Tommy Beer, who I've seen that I've seen he's a he's a, a a writer I believe too, that the Detroit Pistons send Jeremy Grant, Saban Lee, Isaiah Livers, second round pick, forty six overall this year, to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for the fourth pick, Rashawn Holmes, Mo Harkless, Alex Len. Which side says no? And there are twenty eight quote tweets. And a lot of people are ridiculing this man because it deserves to be ridiculed. Why in the hell would the Kings trade the fourth pick for Jeremy Grant, who isn't, in my opinion, worth a, to- a lottery pick, period? He is is obviously the Kings are tied to him last year, but he is going to be a free agent, by the way. He's going to walk here. So the Kings are going to just gamble on bringing in Jeremy Grant for one year and trade a fourth pick and then give Detroit the, t- the number four and number five pick. What? No. What? I just don't. <laughs> do people really think Vladi's still running the Kings? I mean, that's just like, that doesn't even, I don't even think Vladi would do that. Like, that just doesn't make sense. No shot. No yeah, shot. I don't, I don't understand that one. Uh, people, this is, this is a very dangerous time of year where, you know, there's, there's toxic draft you know, draft rumors and coming up in July, free agency rumors. It's, um, you know, people are, are, are out here simply trying to get their names out there on Twitter. People um, just throw, Oh, I'm hearing the Kings have interest in X player, Nikola Vucevic, you know, obviously he's not, I'm sure the Kings have interest in Zach Levine. Yeah, you know, like Again. there's just people people just throw things out there and especially with free agency because at the end of the day people end up only choosing one team. You can always say I'm hearing team X has interest in team Y or in player Y, which is just like that's such a broad can't really only like a handful of people could confirm or deny its factualness. Factualness, not a word, but um 
yeah, I don't know. Just just be careful when when looking at rumors this this time of year. And some of them have check marks. Both those both those reports we mentioned have very true. Have also, yeah, blue checks. So yes, so not only check for checks, but check publications. Check everything. You know, get a get a get a, a vibe check. Like Chris, check that site out. And my lord, people just think the Kings are just the dumbest. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, the Kings have, have been. Monty's been pretty good about the moves he's made. Like he, the, the Tristan Thompson trade was the one loss I think he's taken. I mean, that was stupid. They could have used DeLon Wright for sure. And that's a player I just want to go and throw out there real quick. I am all in on bringing him back next year if the Kings can do that somehow. I mean, he, he can he can play two. He can play three. He can play the point. I mean, he, he's like a Swiss. Like in baseball, you have like a utility man. DeLon Wright is like a perfect basketball utility man. And I would love to have him back. That's um, a great way of putting it. Yeah, but that's that's the one move I think that Monty's made where I think we went, what the hell are you doing, Tristan Thompson? Like, what was what was that? When that happened, we all were saying, what was that? Um, so that's pretty much it. Now, I guess, do you want to move to the the redraft? Let's do it. I wish we had some cool music to just like. You, what hey, is you can draft play music. Is there you can play things music? on the computer now. Yeah, let's see. Let me let me see. Just just fill air for a little here, Frank. Okay, I'm try and find. I'm gonna uh, fill air. Um, so just set up set up what we're doing here. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. So what we're pretty much doing here from a week-to-week basis now, the Kings have failed in pretty much every draft for the past 16 years. We're going to start in 2009, though. We're going to skip 2007, skip 2008. Um, I don't know who they took in 2007. I believe they took uh, 2007. The Kings took Spencer Hawes. Yikes. Let's move on from that one. 2008, the Kings took Jason Thompson 12th. But we're going to start in 09 when the Kings, well, they got unlucky. They should have drafted number one that year. The ping pong balls did not go our way. We fell as far as we could fall to number four. And starting with 2009, we're going to do our NBA draft redraft. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Shout out OPP. Shout out OPP. All right, that's enough of that. Um, Beautiful. So yeah, we are uh we're going to try and uh hopefully this turns out well. Um Frank, I was not listening to your description at all. Are we going to individually do our top 10 redraft or are we going to go th- back and forth and I do think it? We, I think we can go back and forth and then okay. maybe we can, we can take and then you alternate can alternate picks, you, yeah. You you can say you agree or I don't agree or For sure. you know we can we can share thoughts we can, but we can, okay. We'll officially make picks. Like there are okay. official picks and if I do take some we, we'll we'll you know, we're just kind of spitballing right now. This is All kind right. of just, sounds good. Sounds good. This is off season content, people. Yes. Hashtag. This is off-season. So real quick, we're just going through to ten, and yes. I'm I'm actually going to open up a different page and just to make sure we we have like the draft that happened as it did and the draft that we are doing. So the way things went out on June 25th, 2009, Blake Griffin went number one. Hashim mm-hmm. Tabit, number mm-hmm. two. James Harden. Number three, Tyreek Evans, fourth, Ricky Rubio, fifth, Johnny Flynn, ouch, sixth, Steph Curry, ouch, seventh, Jordan Hill, ninth, DeMar DeRozan, I'm sorry, Jordan Hill, eighth, DeMar DeRozan, ninth, Brandon Jennings, tenth, Terrence Williams was the top 11 pick, huh? Kings legends. So, Chris, I'll let you pick first. You can gotcha. pick first. I'll let you do, do the honors. If yeah. the Los Angeles Clippers on the clock, who are you selecting as the number one pick? All right. Bang. How you like that? 
Bang. I love um, that. With the first pick in the 2009 NBA draft, redraft, I'm going to have the Los Angeles Clippers. This one's really obvious. They're going to take one Wardell Stephen Curry. I'm stunned. Yes. Mel Kiper right is crying. Does Mel Kiper do NBA too? No, he doesn't. I don't think he does. Uh, they do. No, they do Billis. Billis. Jay Billis. Yeah. Jay Billis, who is an also an. I think Reese Davis but... will still come out. Reese Davis yes, does both. He does football. He runs it. I think. Yeah. Um, it's the right pick. I mean, th- there's much more than you. Steph Curry is, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, the, the greatest shooter, shooter of all time. time. Yeah. I mean, babyface has assassin. changed the game. Has been to uh, five. No, six. I think he's been to six NBA Finals. Either five or six NBA Finals, which is I think it was uh, going incredible. to be going to be seven, six, I believe. Seven. Let me check. Uh, well, let me try and do this off the top of my head. So he's won three. He lost one. No, he lose two. He lost. He lose two. He lost he two because I always forget about the Raptors one. Been to five. Yeah. Been to five. He's been to five. Um, yeah, I mean, um, there's there's no one else in this draft has that kind of pedigree. Um, you know, at the time, obviously, you know, this, this is, this is going to be the captain hindsight, uh, section of the podcast. Cause obviously, uh, looking back, this is the very clear pick, but there was just no way Steph was ever going to go number one in this draft. Um, just for reference sake. I mean, I, Steph was an incredible college player. I remember him having huge hype at Davidson. Um, I think LeBron even like went to one of his tournament games. Um, so it's not like Steph wasn't a known quantity quality like a Damian Lillard or, you know, CJ got his run in the in the, uh, in the March madness tournament. But um, Steph was definitely well known. It was just a different NBA at the time. And people were like, yeah, he can shoot, but how helpful really is that? No, I agree. I mean, he, he, he's the pick. He's number I mean, one. He's, he, three he's guards be... went in front of him. Three point he... guards went in front of him. Yeah, Tyreek Evans, Ricky Johnny Rubio. Flynn, Ricky Rubio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good Lord. Sweet Jesus. Um, With the second overall pick. Wait a second. I got you. I got this. this. The second overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft. The Memphis Grizzlies select James Harden. Yeah. At Arizona State. James Harden. I mean, I'm not a big James Harden guy, but I mean, when you're looking at the next guys on that list, James Harden, I mean, you got to tip your cap to him. I mean, he, he's starting his official decline right now. He'll be 33 this summer. Um, kind of going to become a different player, I think, down the stretch. He's a 10-time All-Star, scoring champ three times, uh, seven-time All-NBA, six-man of the year award winner, MVP award winner, uh, assist champion, pretty much everything but a champion. Um and not a defender, obviously, but uh, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, when you look at that list, especially when you look at how the NBA, the value over a replacement player, good old Vorp. Um, James Harden is the number one player in this draft as far as Vorp goes. I think Steph Curry is the best player in this draft, but um, what James Harden's been to basketball, whether you like him or not, he he's made an imprint, the, the beard. He's, he's going to be someone that's going to be at the Nascent Memorial Hall of Fame. Uh, probably 10 years from now and yeah that's that's second overall pick yeah i mean that's definitely the pick uh he's the only person left who's been an mvp uh led his teams to multiple western conference fi- or i think two two western conference finals or was it just one Might have been yeah i think one uh 
two, and then he went to the finals with, with uh, Oklahoma City oh, once. Oh, uh, yes, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, very. We, so totally. I don't think we need to really explain the James Harden. No. I think that's just definitely no, the right it's... pick. Um, that brings us to number three, which um, still I don't think is is that intriguing of a uh, or that difficult of a selection with what's left. Whoa! Oh, got the tail end. There we go. The pick is in. The pick is in. The pick's in, folks. Uh, with the number three pick, uh, who had this pick? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Uh, they're going to go with, oh, and they would love this at the time. Obviously, Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma star, Blake Griffin. I mean, Blake was an absolute powerhouse in college. Um, I think he played until his junior year. Had let me, let me pull I, up I remember, those numbers. Yeah, I remember in in college he uh, that one season he had the, the his great season at Ooh. Oklahoma. His last season, there was uh, videos of him hitting his head on the backboard while dunking. Oh, I remember, I remember that. that. Yes, like hear this: thirty five games as a sophomore, twenty two point seven points per game, fourteen point four rebounds, sixty five percent from the field, thirty seven percent from three. Wow. That's in Insane. Yeah. He was a problem. Blake was definitely a problem. And, uh, you know, in his NBA career, he, you know, we're obviously seeing a sharp decline here as he's turned, uh, really since also, he's turned 30. It's, it's yeah. been a very, very uh, like, hard fall. Like James, he's also 33 years old. So that's kind of the age you see in the NBA where a lot of people say, see you later. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Blake had knee issues. Obviously, he was a supreme athlete and relied, I mean, not as much on his athleticism in, in the middle of his career. I would say he became a pretty skilled um, big guy, you know, in his later Clipper years, really developed a three point shot, which was helpful for his game. Um, and, you know, he, he averaged 20 points pretty much. Yeah. His first season in the league, his rookie season, which he he uh he kind of had that Joel Embiid where he didn't play his the entire uh first year that he was in the NBA so his official rookie year was actually his second year counting as his rookie year um and he averaged 22 points a game 22 and 12 coming out of the as game, a rookie as a rookie and really averaged that yeah and averaged that for the first like 8 or 9 seasons of his career was was always yeah. up at 20 points from um, um it's just amazing from this is highlight eight obviously. nine years Blake's, from some of blake's highlights are unreal untouched from to, 2010 to 2019 so about a decade the whole 2010s uh blake griffin averaged 22 points per game nine rebounds almost five assists shot 50 percent from the field 34 percent from three i mean this is a man who became a household name like you said for those highlight dunks for um his offensive, I mean, just his skill set was he could score. He was just a problem. I mean, his athleticism was really what set him aside from everybody else. And six-time All-Star, five-time NBA, he, he began, became a household name in the NBA and will forever be. You know, people are always going to know who Blake Griffin is. And mm-hmm. probably will never win a championship. I don't know if he's going to be back on an NBA roster next season. I mean, Brooklyn, he didn't. He followed the rotation with Brooklyn. Um but he made $29 million this year from Detroit. He made almost $300 million for his career. That's not including endorsements. He had a pretty good go of it. But Definitely. that's who the Kings were supposed to take when they got the number one pick that year. The Kings had the worst record in the NBA. People were very, very excited for that. I remember I was in high school, and everyone was talking about how the Kings were going to get Blake Griffin. And in the lottery, they fell all the way to fourth. So 
Mm. Um, would have been nice to draft Blake Griffin. Definitely um, would have been nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and to also to mention, Blake went to the Clippers, and it's really not talked about because Chris Paul also came along with him. But um, turn that franchise around. I mean, the Clippers for our entire childhoods were what the Kings are now, pretty much. I mean, just yeah. an absolute laughing stock. Um, Corey Maggette, Elton Brand, Chris Kamen. Um, I remember, you know, Sam Cassell, older Sam Cassell being on those teams just could never would never be anything better than just mediocre average, if not just a bad team. And the second Blake got there, he gave them instant credibility. And I mean, from there, it was kind of I mean, we've seen what what the Clippers have done uh, with their organization since. I mean, they've really took take that lob took that lob city um, era. And, and have built something really, really special and have, mm-hmm. at this point, a top coach in the NBA in Ty Lue and two of the best wing players that we have in the game in Paul George and Kawhi. And that was the uh, beginning. all of yeah, that, that marked, can be traced back to, to that, Blake and CP. That marked the beginning. It really did. Mm-hmm. Um, is it my turn? Unfortunately, we have now arrived at the number four pick in the draft. And much like this year's uh, NBA draft, it feels like this is where the drop-off happens. Uh, There's stars in the top three. And uh, at this point, it's not that there's not good players available. It's just there's, uh, I would say, a a very large drop-off. So Frankie Cardicelli, the pick is in. With the fourth pick. In the 2009 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select a guy who can do it all, who is someone I'm a huge fan of his of his defense, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday uh, right back. really has kind of taken a leap here since, since I'd say 2015 when he was playing with New Orleans. I mean, he, his career... Especially in Milwaukee, he's become, I mean, an all-star talent. He's a one-time all-star. He made it in 2012 with Philly, mind you. But um, this just this year in Milwaukee, 18 points per game, 6.8 assists, 4.5 rebounds, 1.6 steals. He's an all-defensive first-team guy. He's made all-defensive team four times, NBA champion. Um, he's a fourth pick. It's just to me, when you look at who's left here, there are some good names still on this on this um, on this list. When you look at there's you have your Demar Derozan's on this list. You have your I mean that's pretty much it as far as guys that are all star <laughs> talents. <laughs> yeah. We might not need to go all the way if after your pick for five. I, think, I don't think yeah we, I think we, we don't have to go so formatted after just, this. I think we, we can, can just, just read open them up off. the conversation a little. Yeah, this is literally a five player draft. It's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Um, yeah. but I'm going with Drew. I mean. Is is that your pick, or would you go with the other guy? That's no, I would. I would definitely go with Drew here. I think. I think it's interesting because it was kind of no question for me, and looking back on it now, it's kind of. I think it's you know if Demar could have strung more seasons like he just had um, together, maybe you know if he would have been more of an impact player. Um, it's tough, I think, and it's weird because they were in two different situations. I mean, they're asked to do two different things. Drew is is not the primary offensive option, scoring option on his team or playmaking option on his team um, and is really just kind of asked to uh, spread the floor to, yes, initiate offense at times, but um, that's definitely more of Giannis's role. 
and is definitely asked to defend. And he's a four time all time uh, four time all defensive selection. Um, he's definitely an absolute pest with some real size at the point guard position, um, which is not something that we see he a lot in this league. Up. He loves yes. the post up. Yes, and I mean he's absolutely. I remember. I think it was either this year or last where he torched the Kings for like thirty five mm-hmm. points. Um, he, he definitely took has in the post ability. every yeah. possession. He has scoring ability for sure. Um, just a kind of do it all Swiss Army knife kind of guy, and it's interesting because I don't know what this would do for the Kings franchise, and I that's kind of the 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 point of this exercise is to. Obviously, it's it's the the thing that every single Kings fan always ends up talking about, or whenever you know they talk with somebody who's not a Kings fan, it's always, oh, like couldn't you guys have had Kawhi Leonard? Couldn't you guys have had Clay Thompson? Couldn't you guys have had Damian Lillard? Well, now we're like going back and actually looking at who the Kings could have and should have taken. Um, I just think it's what what do you think that this would have done for the Kings uh, franchise? And obviously, this is 2009, so that's kind of a lot of in-between space. To it's a lot of you know, uh, yeah, filling I mean, in the gaps. But back then, you know, the Dr- Drew's were... not a complete different. He's not a franchise-altering player. Like, no, I mean, honestly, but, like, I mean, we just talked about how Blake really was was a big turning point for the Clippers. I don't think Drew's anywhere near that. Oh, for sure. But when you look at who's left, it's. Uh... You can make an argument between the guy you're going to say next, but it's, yeah, for sure, there's nothing left. There's really yeah. I'm looking at right now. There's there's, no, there's a couple nothing. guys that might go top ten, which we we'll, we'll kind of round it off and just kind of go rapid fire after this yeah. your pick. But um, I hope this isn't the kind of draft we have this year because it, it's kind of eerily similar. Like as mm-hmm. far as we don't know who's going to do what in the draft. I mean, the, the draft I've said before it's a crapshoot. Like again, Drew Holiday was selected 17th, by the way, so. And this guy is it's 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 him and Curry that are playing at the highest level out of well then the next guy you're about to say too but um, this draft has literally been a five player draft as far as there are five players left that are playing the game of, or four players now because Blake Griffin's fell off four of these players are still playing basketball you could say a respectable level so with that Chris make the final official selection of of this redraft all right let's do it. <laughs> With the fifth pick, who has this pick, Frank? I'm sorry, I should really pull this up. Who has it? <laughs> yeah, who has um, it? Fifth pick. Uh, well, it's one of the first two picks that Minnesota had. Ah. Minnesota and they went back-to-back back point guards. Yes. And they went Ricky Rubio, uh, with, Johnny Flynn. Now, who are you going with? I am going with one that we just talked about, and one DeMarvelous DeRozan out of USC. USC. USC is a different school. Um, it's a school of hard knocks. Um, USC. Uh, DeMar... I mean, DeMar is just an incredibly solid player. I mean, this year he took it to another level. As we were talking about James and and Blake, who are now on the the back nine of their career, um, DeMar DeRozan just had the best season of his career. I definitely would not say he is on an upward trajectory, but um, if anything, it just kind of speaks to what kind of player he maybe could have been if his situations were better. Uh, His Toronto, in his time in Toronto, he was – the first to second, you know, he was kind of the, uh, it, it, I think uh, the Celtics described Jalen, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as two Batmans, not a Batman and Robin uh, in Toronto. They had two Robins and Rudy Gay and DeMar DeRozan. 
I just think it would have been interesting if, you know, maybe that team had it had a different star, what that could have done for DeMar. Uh, it's incredibly sad that the season they trade him for Kawhi Leonard, uh, they end up winning the NBA championship. And it just kind of seemed like, well, that was the big difference was you got an upgrade at the DeMar DeRozan spot. And, you know, you kind of that elevated you. It's very unfortunate. And I don't think DeMar deserves that. I mean, he, he, you know, he's put up 20, how Blake put up 20 points a game the first 10 years of his career. DeMar has put up uh, 20 points in the previous 10 years of his career. So he is continuing the trend of 20 points per game. And if I had to guess, that would probably continue at least for one more season. Well, at Um, 32, he had the best year of his career this year. Like by far, he was an MVP finalist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 30 uh, or just almost an incredibly skilled guy for sure. Um, and king of the mid-range. again, I don't, I don't, yeah, king of the mid range has always really loved that shot and is, uh, is kind of slowly started to diminish his three point attempts and, and is really leaning into just being an absolute assassin in the mid range. Um, and it's, it's beautiful to see, honestly. I mean, a lot of people, obviously, this new space and pace era with, with, you know, the, limitless range threes and all that is is a spectacle to see but something about watching this guy just absolutely get get to his spot and get buckets effortlessly is i mean i i joked many times this season that he was the best chicago bull of all time um but saying that was just because he really did look like the best player in the league at times offensively. Oh, he, like, he just he like was 10, unstoppable. 10 straight with 30 points or something. It was something stupid yeah. or 15 was, straight with 25. Yeah. And that is just, I mean, that I, I really don't know if even like Michael Jordan ever did that. And um, someone, and someone obviously on Twitter, not the same player, but just what he was doing offensively was insane. Back when I was, I was posting about Fox, his streak of, I think it was 15 games of 20 or more. And someone was just saying, so. Well, he averages 20. I was just thinking, do you know how hard it is to do that every single night? Yes. Though, like, averages are completely irrelevant to that conversation as far as DeMar DeRozan, in this case, scored, I think, 25 in 15 to 20 straight games. Do you know how hard it is to do that every single night without an off night in there? Like, that's... I mean, and without being a, in a quote-unquote elite shooter, if you will. I mean, like, it's not like he had... Uh, the three-point shot that really opened up his driving lanes or anything like that. Like, he was just absolutely getting buckets. It was just backing people down, taking turnaround jump shots, and hitting nothing but net. And, I mean, people forget he is a ridiculous athlete. He's a great finisher. And, uh, I mean, he he just – his tools apparently have just never um, been utilized the way that it was this year in Chicago. And uh, – it was it was really nice to see. Shout out Billy Donovan for pulling that so out of him. He went twenty straight games scoring twenty three or more, and over those twenty games, from January fifteenth to February twenty sixth, Demar Derozan averaged thirty three point two points, five point seven rebounds, fifty five percent from the field, forty percent from three, almost ninety percent from the free throw line. My goodness, yeah. So th- th- that is that is like Michael Jordan esque numbers right there. That's like that's literally what Michael Jordan's career numbers are. What thirty points per game? I'm not saying he's he's Michael Jordan, but I understand what you meant. What by when you were saying he's the best Chicago Bull of all time because he was mirroring Michael Jordan for about a month straight, arguably the whole season. So 
best season by a Chicago Bull, arguably, since Michael Jordan. I mean, Derrick Rose has had a, had a, mm-hmm. a really had exciting MVP, MVP season, which was exciting. Yes, that's the sure. word of putting that. But in, in Zach Levine, his numbers are a little different. But DeMar DeRozan, what he was doing was... was it felt different. I mean, he was hitting game winners. I think he hit back-to-back nights of game winners. Yeah. Um, like you said, just was stacking up 20, 30-point performances. And the Chicago, Bulls were Bulls were back this year. They were the number one seed until they they had some injuries. They ran into some COVID stuff. Uh, Vucevic had some had some stuff. Um, uh, uh, Zach Levine had a variety of issues this past season. I believe he played. Let me pull it up. He played uh, sixty seven games. I'm looking at his game log. I think he missed a good amount of the final. He missed he missed a game in the playoffs. I mean, he missed a couple games at the end of the year. Yeah, so kudos to DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he's had a good career, mm-hmm. but that is where the draft falls yes. off. No need yes. for us to keep. No. We'll just read off who. Don't yeah, we'll go read Vork? off the. No, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, I want to go by win shares. Or... I was just going to do the guys that I feel like are left on the board. Okay, well, you, you go ahead. You you can go ahead. I want you. You can go. Who would you take sixth? I don't know who I would take. I literally have, so I have all of the picks that I would do one, two, three, four, five. And then for six, it really is like a choose your own adventure of Tyreek Evans, who was, you know, we, we obviously know Tyreek had potential at one point and it just kind of never panned out and injuries and all that. Um, And so you have to play the, the entire, the entirety of the career into effect. Um, So there's Tyreek Evans. Then there's way, way more established role players. Definitely, you know, with Patrick Beverly, not somebody. I mean, you would definitely not say Patrick Beverly talent wise is as good as talented. Jeff Teague as Tyree was pretty Evans. good. Jeff Teague was all right. Um, He's kind of like the definition of like an average point guard. He was on those great Hawks teams, but um, even then, like was kind of, you know, six, 14, 16 points a game. Um, he was good for a couple of years. I think Jeff Teague belongs in this conversation if we're talking Patrick Beverly, um, but also Jeff Teague longevity. Like, I think he, I think he won a title last year with the Bucks, right? Yeah, he won but, a championship. Um, you know, doesn't really contribute all too much. Um, there's Patrick Darren Beverly, Carlson, who's, you know, yeah, Darren Patrick Carlson, Patty Mills, um, Danny, Danny Green. Green, who's a four-time NBA champion, and. Uh, just got hurt in that Philly series, obviously, but is still yeah, an might, impact he, player. He might be done now. Yeah, he, he's probably. I mean, it'd be tough for him to uh, so to get back to where he's at. He's gonna miss all of next season. He's a free agent. Yeah. I think he'll be thirty five in June. Yeah. Um, is he a free agent or is he on, under contract? He is. I don't know, honestly. Danny Green is a. He's under contract. He'll get ten million next year with Philly. That's great. So he'll be with the team next year. So that's kind of nice. He he might come back for the playoffs next year if he's still. ACLs are kind of, I forget, they're, they really come a, a ways from recovery standpoints. So anyways, the draft, though, um, just looking at, yeah. I mean, it, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's, I think there's um, arguments like for all those guys, and there's arguments definitely against all yeah. those guys. Basically, just to kind of read them off, uh, after five, there's Danny Green, Jeff Teague, Ty Lawson, Ricky Rubio, Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans, Brandon Jennings, Pat Beverly, Patty Mills, Taj Gibson is high on this list in win shares. I made that I told that you told that to you yesterday and and uh win shares. That's kind of funny how that works. Um yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're on good teams and you're on the floor, you're generally going to get some win shares. Yeah. There's there's really nothing else in this draft that there there really is nothing. Omri Caspi is down here. He's the 20th ranked player in value over replacement. Um, Jonas Dreb, Jonas Drebko, Kamari Carroll. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say. But top five, just to go over it again with us, we went Steph Curry, James Harden, Blake Griffin, True Holiday, Demar Derozan. That is your. That is your 2009, 2009. NBA redraft. Yeah, and now uh, next week we have 2010, mm. the Demarcus Cousins draft. Yes, so that'll, that'll be, be interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. John Wall obviously is in that. Yeah, uh, Evan Perner I think was the second pick. We have some good uh, drafts. Like, yeah, this was a bad one. This is a there was not this was not a good draft. 2009 mm-hmm. was a very very weak draft. There are five players, six players that are like difference makers. I mean, Pat Beverly's mm-hmm. fine, but not great. Not what we're looking for. No. Um, I think, I think we, we said before, we're going to, we're going to talk to some draft guys. We're going to mm-hmm. get in touch with our, our buddy, Bryant West with the Kings Herald. We're going to get in touch with our guy, Bobby Gerald, hoop obsession guys that are draft fanatics. They know a lot more than we do, obviously. Uh, I think probably in June, probably the two weeks leading in the draft, yeah. we're going to talk to both those guys. Um, you and I probably will go solo again next week. I'll be in office. See you, COVID. Anything else, Chris? No, not really. I mean, it's it's honestly, I was going to say, uh, when you were asking me how I was doing at the start of the pod, it's kind of the dead period in sports that you and I always talk about and, and dread looking towards. I mean, it's really going to be dead after the draft. But, um, yeah, I mean, football hasn't started. Baseball's kind of in their, their dog days. And the NBA is wrapping up in a couple in a couple weeks or probably at the end of the month um, for the season, for when the finals are over. And then, um, you know, and then July happens and we have well, uh, it, NBA free it, agency and it'll be fun for from June 20th, probably when the finals are over, I'm going to assume the Warriors will be in it um, from June 20th to like July 15th. Like we're going to have mm-hmm. the Mike Brown press conference. We're going to have some, some big pre-draft workouts. I'd imagine we're gonna have the draft, the California classic, July 2nd, 3rd, free agency begins those two days as well. Uh, Vegas, July 7th through 17th. And then after Vegas is over and the big free agency stuff's done, we're going to have a pretty big dead period. So um, things are slow right now for us, but they're about to get exciting. And those summer months or summer weeks are coming. I also just, this is just for myself because I need to say it. And I don't think anyone's listening an hour 20 in last week. I was big shouting out Mike Schmidt. And I was like, dude, he like brought up draft express. And I like, as I was saying it, I was like, something about this, like, does not sound right to me. It's because it's Jonathan Cavoni. That's who I was thinking mm. of. So shout out Jonathan Cavoni, who really put in all the work and, and uh, is still to this day putting out great draft, Doing the heavy lifting. draft coverage. Yeah. No, that's good. I don't think anyone's going to hold it against you. Oh, um, all well, my mentions. It's okay. That's all I got. All right. Well, for Frankie Cardicelli, I am Chris Watkins. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. So much for listening. Um, it was great. Um, really enjoyed that draft. Uh, next week, it- like Frank said, we will be 2010 NBA draft. We will probably have a new prospect that we are, uh, you know, just absolutely fascinated with. And hopefully nothing major breaks in did, that time. Did Johnny Depp win? Is that still going on? <laughs> 
<laughs> is there really any? Is, is, it, is that how it goes? In court? Uh, there's a winner and a cl- loser. I guess. Closing closing arguments are tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a winner and loser in some cases. I think that we'll see what happens in this one. But yeah, it's like a defamation um, suit. So is it just like yeah, you defamed him? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be like someone has to pay. Pay out. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Very interesting. I don't understand why that's like such. I mean, I've been keeping loose tabs on. I haven't followed it that it, closely. Yeah, I just, I don't quite understand why it's such like a nationally covered I case. Don't know. People love celebrity stuff. They do, man. Blame OJ. That's, on that, that's on I that think. note. Blame Orenthal. Um, James Simpson. Yes. Uh, he's so he's still. He's out at Ve- in Vegas having a good time, man. Every time, yeah, we'll see, see him at Summer League for sure. We'll probably see him at Summer League. Yeah, we'll probably see OJ out there. Big Kings guy, huge Kings guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get out of here. All right, bye bye. We're talking about OJ. We got to go. <laughs>